Welcome to Harvest Amarillo Podcast. We're excited you have chosen to listen in today. May God encourage you through this message to live a life of value, of fullness, and fruitfulness for His kingdom. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm going to have you stand for the reading of the Word. So let's stand, and if you don't have your Bibles, you'll see it up here on the screen, and I'm going to read this, and then we'll be seated. This comes from Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him, and he approached the town gate, or as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praised God and and said, a great prophet has appeared among us. You may be seated. Oh, I love the video that we just watched and talking about moms and the importance of moms. If you've been with us over the past three weeks, four weeks since Easter, you may have noticed something that I've included a woman in every story and every message since Easter. So we've been building to this day today to celebrate our women, to celebrate our mothers. I love this scripture because there's so much that's happening. First, let me explain the city of Nain. Nain, it was somewhat of a thriving community in Jesus's day. It was on the mountainside, a mountain known today as Little Hermon. Just just a couple of miles from Mount Tabor, Jesus would have been descending or walking down from there, and that's very important because what happens is the difference between Christianity and all the other religions in the world is instead of us attempting to get to God, God comes to us. In our greatest despair, God shows up. Now, our eyes have to be open to see where he is. You know, he's, he's all around us. He's coming after his goodness. He's coming after me, just as we sung a while ago. That, that, that Jesus is here, and he's coming down the mountainside. Now, this isn't a, a small trip, as you'll find out here in just a moment. Obviously, Jesus was on a mission. There was a great crowd, a huge crowd that was following Jesus. They weren't in front of him. They weren't stopping him. They were following him down this mountainside. I can see it now. Jesus may not have said these words aloud, but I believe it's obvious in his pursuit down the mountain, way down the mountain. As a matter of fact, he's coming from Capernaum, so it's about 25 or 22 to 25 mile uh, walk here. This is a day's journey. He's having to, he, he's having to hit a, a good clip here, church, to walk this. He's got a mission. There's something happening. He knows what's unfolding. This crowd is not stopping him. This crowd is behind him. They're following him going, man, this is a man on a mission. Where is he going? What's going on? 22 miles, we are going to be tired. But he had somewhere to go. As a matter of fact, this crowd uh, had heard his teaching, and it's the reason reason they were following him. He had just spoken about love for his enemies, or love for your enemies, truth on judgment, bearing good fruit, wise builders versus foolish builders. But now there is an urgency. I've got to get down this mountain. We've got to get there before sundown. You see, Jewish funerals are normally at sundown because they celebrate the end of a lifetime as the setting of the sun. 
So Jesus knew, look, we've got to, we've got to get there before dark because there's a woman there and she's distressed and she needs life to come to her. You see, women are important to Jesus. I mean, you see it all throughout the New Testament. I mean, Jesus announced his Messiahship in John chapter 4, first to a woman. And, and you may remember the story. It's the woman at the well, Jacob's well. And Jesus shows up in the middle of the day. This woman was there in the middle of the day. And the reason why they come in the middle of the day is because of the shame that's upon them. She was a Samaritan for one, but for another, she had many husbands. Life had somewhat not, not treated her well, and she had not treated life well. She did not find her purpose. She tried to find her purpose in other men. So Jesus found himself... The Lord, the author of life, the author of faith, Jesus finds himself with this woman in John chapter 4 in the middle of the day when shame would rule the day for all the things that she had done. And she said, oh, I've got to go tell my husband. And hopefully, if you don't know the story, go and read it. Do you remember what Jesus said? Oh, you have right to say that you must go get your husband because you've had five previous husbands and the one that you currently live with is actually not your husband. And then he goes on to explain to her how we are to worship in spirit and in truth. I talked about Mary Magdalene last week and the week before and the week before that. And how Mary Magdalene, uh, just a woman who had a lot of life on her, we know this because she had demons cast out of her. But now the author of life had, had brought life to her and had brought purpose to her. Now here is a widow woman. And she's not just a widow, but she's lost a son. And, and so Jesus is saying, hey, we've got to get there before the setting of the sun. Now, a day's journey was seen as about 20 to 25 miles, so they had 22 miles to make it there. They, I, I can just hear him thinking now, there's a widow who is grieving, and I must get to her. This woman who has just lost a son, her only son, I must get there to her. This woman is in despair. She's in agony. No one understands the pain unless they, too, have lost a son or a daughter. This woman is a widow. She's lost her husband. She's now lost her son. My goodness, I must get there. You know, these two would have been her only forms of providence in that day and time. Providence simply means her, her, her way of making a living. Women didn't have ways necessarily of making a living back in Jesus' day and time. Most of the time, the men made it and provided for the women. If a husband died... Then the son, if he were of age, would come in and be providence for her. He would work and take care of his mother. Man, today in time, we live in a day and time where, uh, hmm, I thought my mama was supposed to take care of me. I mean, I sat in classes here a while back of, uh, and sitting in these classes with 20 and 30-year-olds who were failing to launch because mama supposed to take care of me, right? Uh, but Jesus sees it much differently. He says, hey, this woman has lost all of her providence. She, she, she doesn't have a way uh, uh, of making a living. Oh, there are a couple of ways that she could, but it's, it, it, we don't want to go down that road. I'll mention those here in just a moment. I must get to her. She's a mom, and she's lost a child. See, I love how Jesus sees women. I love how Jesus sees moms. You know, my own mother passed away two years ago yesterday. 
And man, I just miss her. You know, now's the day and time that I'd love to say, hey, mom, what about, or how would you think? Or, but I realized something yesterday. I know how she would answer my questions. Fortunately, I got to live long enough with her, right? Now, here's the thing. Jesus loves women. He loves moms. He understands what they bring to the table. You know, there's definite difference between moms and dads, and dads here among us today, just know this, you are a value, some. (laughs) You know, a dad will go to the ends of the earth when their child calls, where are you? Dad, I I need you, And 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 a dad will drop everything and get on the road and go anywhere to the ends of the earth and say, I'm on my way, I'm coming, and we will show up without anything they need. And here's the funny thing. We will have everything we need. That's a dad. A mom knows what questions to ask. Oh, possibly what they, they need even before they ask it. A mom can answer questions like, hey, where are my white socks with the purple stripes on them? Mom, what are we having for dinner? Mom, when you pick me up at the gym, will you get me a snack before I go to piano lessons? Mom, can I go to the dance? Mom, do you have $20 for a t-shirt at the ball game? The only questions that come to dad is really one. Dad, where's mom? (laughs) I get it. We're different. Look at this picture. We're just different, church. Look at this other picture. That is a great example of me right there. I had, to, I had to put this up here. Look at this third picture. That's how we feed the animals, right? And the fourth picture. Um, if you can't see that, the little girl is like scared to death and the dad's having the time of his life in the race car, right? I mean, come on, no doubt that we have different parenting skills. And both are essential, church. Both are essential. However, there is something about a mom. Maxim Gorky once stated, only mothers can think of the future because they give birth to it in their children. Many of you don't remember Milton Berle. But if you're old enough, you will. And he said, if evolution really worked, why do mothers have only two hands? Oscar Wilde wrote this in one of his books. He said, all women become like their mothers. That is their tragedy. No man does, and that is his. Let's pick it back up. Luke chapter 7, verse 12. As he approached the town gate, the city gate, a dead person was being carried out. Now, I've changed versions here just to make a point. Stay with me. The only son of his mother, I'm in the New American Standard now, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. You see, Jesus was on a mission, a mission of purpose to give a son back to his mother. And so much is beginning to unfold in this story. As Jesus approaches the gate with a crowd of people following him, there is another crowd coming as well. One crowd is following the living one among the dead, and the other crowd is following, following a dead one. Do you see this? This is an intersection that's about to happen, an intersection between life and death. And both have these huge crowds that are, that are coming together and about to meet 
at a gate. Isn't that interesting? I mean, Jesus said, I am the door. He also said, I am the gate. And so here we have life and we have death, a scenario, perfect scenario for Jesus to claim his Messiahship, who he is, the author and perfecter of life. So here's this intersection. Jesus could have stopped along the way. Just, just know in 22 miles, someone's going to be having a funeral back in their day and time. I mean, from infants to adults to seniors, all three categories, there were funerals that were prevalent in their day and time. They didn't have physicians like we do today. They didn't have emergency rooms that they could run to. But Jesus is making a point. He's, he's got a purpose here. He's on a mission. It's a long ways off, but he's going to teach something here that all of us need to see. He's on this mission. He's going to this one person. Because as far as he is going to meet this woman, as far as he must go, she must also go to the caves, which would be a journey in itself. Supposedly, the gates for the city would have been placed down the hill some ways, possibly five, ten miles down the hill, down the mountainside. So here is Jesus that's on a journey, but this woman's also on a journey. And as she's going down the mountainside where the tombs are located in the side of the mountain, right? She's got a journey, and, and she's weeping through this journey. Jesus is probably rejoicing in his. She's weeping in hers. Two caravans of crowds about to meet one another head on. You know, this is life, church. Life and death must meet head on one day. It's just the truth. As, as we get older, we begin to recognize and come to a, a place in our own journey that we understand, hey, this life is truly but a breath, and it's beginning to fade. We're not as strong as we once were. We're not as good-looking as we once were. We weren't, we're, we're not as fast as we once were. We can't jump as high as we once did. We don't play the sports as, as we, we once did. And, and the funny thing about that, is, man, you know this. When we don't, we like to go to our moms where we hear those words, yes, you do. <laughs> oh, son, you still jump as high. You still run as fast. You're still just as strong. See, in a mother's eyes, right? In a mother's eyes. But the, the truth is, is that all of us understand something, that, that as we get older, mortality begins to face us. Death and life begin to intersect for us as well. And we've got to come to a place of saying, who do we choose? Do I choose this man who has given his life for me and on the third day was raised from the dead that I too may be raised? That I will rise. See, they come together regardless as if we're reading it in Scripture or we're living our life. Eventually, life and death meet one another we've got to remember some things it's just life and we've got to remember the words of Jesus I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me through this gate through this intersection it's the only place where life is offered beyond death within these two crowds are, are, are basically two sons one son is living and one son is dead. And these two sons are about to come together and face one another. 
And when death and life intersect, someone must, must give up the right of way. Someone's got to give up the right of way here. Uh, both are coming to the gate, but there's only one way through that gate. And Jesus provides a way when there is no way. He came down that he might lift her up, that he might lift all who would believe in him up, that all of those witnesses, regardless of which crowds that they belong to, Men and women of Jesus, listen to me. It's important that we find crowds that are not in the life of Christ and invite them into the life of Christ. You see, what's about to happen here is, is a witness for both non-believers and believers alike. The other crowd that's following Jesus is following Jesus. They've seen his signs. They've seen his miracles. They've heard his teaching. Um, in the four Gospels, this would be the first time that Jesus raises one from the dead. This is, this is going to be prior to um, Lazarus. As you go through a timeline, this is going to be prior to, um, let's see, who else did Jesus raise? Yes, Jairus' daughter. Jairus' daughter, that's right, those are the three. And so this is, this is early on in the account of Jesus. This huge crowd is following life. And, and, and so here he goes to, to show that he is the author, the giver of life. And so he who gives can take, and, and he who, who takes can give. This is why he gives, what, her son back in this message. So Jesus provides a way when there is no way. He came down that he might lift her up, that he might lift all who would believe. And, and, and here's the neat thing. So non-believers and believers are both about to witness a miracle of life. The apostle Paul said it this way. What does it mean that he, does, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens? That's Ephesians chapter 4. And what you'll read in that is that, and those that he raised, he also seated with him in heavenly places. That, that he comes down to reach us in order to bring us up with him. And here with this woman who is not only a widow, but she's now lost her son, he is, he is meeting her in the depths of where she is. To lift her higher than she's ever been lifted. Listen, Jesus meets us all at this intersection, but we must make the choice, the choice of life in Christ. Jesus meets us where we are. Church, this is a beautiful story of Jesus meeting this woman just simply where she was. This woman didn't know Jesus. She may have heard of him. I suspect she's, she's Jewish for sure. I mean, there, it's, it's, it's going to be in the evening here where Jesus is, is confronting her during this, this service, right? Jesus saw her, and he was moved by compassion. The miracle has not been asked for. The woman didn't ask Jesus to do anything. The woman doesn't expect Jesus to do anything. She's overwhelmed. She's overtaken by grief. Like I said earlier, only parents who have lost children understand where she is emotionally. In her grief-stricken stupor, she, she doesn't see him, but he sees her. Church, does this sound familiar? Look, in your trouble, in your stuff, in your misery, you may not see him, but he sees you. You know, some of you have been in places where you couldn't see, where you couldn't pray, where you couldn't find purpose, but Jesus still sees you. Jesus knows this woman's name. And Jesus breathed the breath of life into her at some point in time. 
He has a plan and a purpose for this woman to be spoken of for eternity, just like the woman with the alabaster flask last week. Oh, as people talk of me, they'll also speak of you because of what you have done. See, Jesus knows. You, you, you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Mary Magdalene, uh, she was weeping is what the Scripture says. She was asked the question, why do you seek the living one among the dead? But she didn't recognize him. She supposed him to be the gardener until he said something. He said, Mary. And all of a sudden, through all the weeping, through all the tears, through all the crying, she recognized, it's Jesus. And he's standing. I'm so glad I went among the dead to find the living one. The same thing's unpacking here. Here we are again where the woman is weeping and Jesus says, oh, don't cry. In the Greek, it's translated this way, stop crying. So she was already crying. She's crying. It's a tough time on her. How could he say this? The woman lost her means of provision. Uh, Women didn't have jobs in this day and time. Their value was found in the men. Her husband would have provided, but upon his death, it would have been the son's job to provide for his mother. Probably her ways were going to have to change to survive. She would either need to remarry, but she's past her prime. So because she has a a child that's probably of teenage years that has just died, she's probably past that age where another man might marry her. Now, women today in time, let me me say something. If that's you, all right, you're not out of the tank yet. I don't even know why this just came to me as I was reading my own writing here. I wrote that because they didn't live as long in that day and time. Life expectancy by no means is what it is today. See, so offer grace. But look, the ways that she would be able to support herself would would simply be that. It, it, It would be by either remarrying someone, may not have been a candidate, in that way. So her other ways of survival would have been to, to, to beg or to simply be a prostitute. And she was now going to need to support herself some way by some means. And Jesus said, Stop crying. Stop crying. In other words, I'm here. The Lord of the living has just intersected her path, and death will not have victory. I am the God of the living. I am the Lord of life. He who believes in me will never die. In church, a lot of people, both following the dead and the living, are about to witness where life comes from. Honor your father and your mother. Now, the reason why this is in here, church, is for for this. We know that the young man was, was probably 13 plus a son has been providing for his mother meaning that this young man has been honoring his mother in the absence of his father it's it's just what's happening today we're here honoring our mothers this is what Jesus did he took a crowd on a journey to honor a mother The commandment, honor your father and mother so your days will be long upon the earth, is found both in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. That's pretty important to God, that we know how to honor. It means if you treat your parents right, you will have a blessed life. 
Now let me break this down a little bit further. Not just blessed as, as though you would have a lot of money and not have any problems. It actually means this. It means you will have a charmed life. A charmed life. You know what it is to be charming? You know that person that walks into the room and they're just a charm. The atmosphere changes when this person shows up. You like this person. There's something about this person that just brings life to, to the, the worst of places. They just, and that word charmed, that's what it means. You will have a charmed life if you will learn how to honor your father and your mother. You will be blessed in the city, blessed in the county, blessed coming in and going out because a child who knows how to honor their parents knows how to honor others. That's the fact, Jack. <laughs> it's true. Kids that are, that are good kids, and it's okay to talk about good kids. It's okay to bring praise to good children. It's okay to say, well done, good job. Way to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Way to live a life that is worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Good job. Because you bring honor to your parents, it means that you will bring honors, honor to others. It means that you will have a blessed life because you understand how to hold people in a valuable way. You have been taught well. You have lived well, and you are an asset and not a liability. It's so important to God that this is who we are, that we will have a charmed life. We will, we will bring charm to others. When a child knows how to honor their parents, they know how to honor others. We don't have tons of examples of this in our culture today. Everybody's saying, this is me, this is my, I demand, I declare. Go listen to that message three weeks ago. I remember a day when kids would come back from college and come back from the military and the whole town would celebrate. Oh, that's so-and-so's boy. Man, that's a good boy. That's a good girl. That's a good kid. They're an asset and not a liability. And the opposite is true as well. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Proverbs 19 26, whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child who brings shame and disgrace. Now, let me say this about driving out their mother. In, in biblical day, as well as today, over in the uh, Middle East and in, in this Middle Eastern culture type thing, when a, when a young man turns 13, he has more rights than his mother. So that's why it says, because now, now men, when I say that, the husbands can refuse the son to drive out the mother. And that, that ends badly for the son. Because <laughs> there's some other things that go along with that, <laughs> what the father has permission to do in this culture. And, and so what he's saying is, look, whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child who brings shame and disgrace. Careful if you're robbing joy, if you're robbing the blessing of your parents. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Listen, that means discipline. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. We've got to pay attention to these things. Church, make no mistake, God is serious about how we treat our parents. Moms are special to God, and Jesus makes it a point in Scripture to show how special they are. Let's wind this up. In verse 14, then he went up and touched their beer. 
and they were, that they were carrying him on. Now, a bier, some would say a casket. It's really not a casket. It's a plank. They would lay the body on the plank. The body would be wrapped in, of course, and sometimes they would even wrap, wrap the body in the plank, if that makes sense. So you've got, a, you've got a narrow board. You've got someone laying on it, and they just wrap the whole thing for burial's sake. So Jesus comes, and he touches this. The bear stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus did something that would make him ceremonially unclean. You could not touch as a religious scribe, as, as a Pharisee or, or, or a Sadducee, any of these religious people who were followers, even of Jewish custom, could not touch something that was dead. And Jesus touched them. I'm not here to uphold ceremonies. I'm moved by compassion. And this family needs me. And I'm going to touch what's ceremonially unclean. Go, go have your fits about it. But this is what needs to happen at this moment in eternity. See, when you have compassion, you don't stand on ceremonies. When you see someone in, me, in need, you do what Jesus did and show compassion. Compassion for our mothers should move us this morning. Mothers are an example of life because life comes through them. They gave us life. They showed us compassion first. Moms are not concerned with ceremonies when it comes to the health or well-being of their children. And, and, when, and, and by the way, we shouldn't be either when it comes to our moms. When they need us, we should be there. We should find a way. The young man sat up and began to talk. I've, I, thought, I thought oftentimes, what did he say? I know if it were me and I sat up, I know what my words would have been. Did you see that? <laughs> Especially as a young man. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing, I, I was thinking of this as I was writing this this week. If, if he were wrapped... Boy, this would preach. Man, I don't have time to unpack this. i got to stay on. What I was going to say, just quickly, <laughs> if he's wrapped on a beer and it's all wrapped together, then he's got to get out in order to set up. I'm going to preach that one day, but not today. Okay, thank you, Jesus. See, I love the next verse, and, and, and Jesus gave him back to his mother is what the verse says. You see, when death had him, he didn't belong to his mother. Uh, the, when the world had him, he didn't belong to his mother. When the world has us, sometimes we don't belong to our mother. We're not hearing her words. We're not hearing what she has to say. But then Jesus steps in and says, I'm going to give them back. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he grows old, he will not depart from it, Proverbs 22. Don't give up on him. They may be dead in the world. Don't give up. When Jesus gets a hold of them, he's going to give them back, church. Moms, don't give up. Your prayers are being heard. Don't give up. See, when Jesus had him, he gave him back. Here he is. You birthed him. You provided for him, and now he will provide for you. Look, Jesus is about mothers. In John chapter 19, verse 25, Jesus is on the cross. And, 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 and as, he, as, as they stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother was there and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, who was, by the way, John who wrote that, 
right? He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. In other words, she will be taken care of and provided for. See, it's Jesus' way of saying, I love you, mom. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love you. Church, learn how to honor your father and your mother that you will have a blessed life. Fathers, teach your children. Mother first and then you. It's how it's supposed to be. It's what the Lord teaches in his word. Honor thy father and thy mother.